0: This series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng This episode is brought to you by JEE Client Services, jcs.ng. They support small businesses, corporates, and membership organizations with governance, compliance, and company secretarial services. JCS also help with administrative and business support, trademark and patent renewals, investors and shareholders management. If you have a business in Nigeria and you need to save your operating cost, you want to structure your business entity for growth, partnership or investment. You need to go to JCS.ng and book a free consultation with them. That is JCS ng and book a free consultation with them mention building the future podcast when you do so the next african story will be written by africans meet the people using technology innovation and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative this is building the future podcast with your host
1: Dolton. coming up today on building the future the business had only existed for one and a half years when um, Tiger Global reached out. The business had only been in existence for a few months when Chicken would be reached out. So, the story about Jobberman being buff 100% was true, right? What wasn't very clear about it was the fact that we were still shareholders of the group that bought Jobberman, right? And the fact that we're still going to be running the business.
0: Our guest today is Okwe Awuyami, founder at Wugo Host and co-founder at Jobberman. There are very few businesses that really define the incredible story of tech startups in Nigeria. Jobberman is one of them. In this podcast episode, Okwai shared the story of how Jobberman was founded in the dormitory of Obafemi Awolo University in Nigeria with four students, how they got their first investment, moved to Lagos to focus on the business, got more significant investment from international VC, grew the business to multi-million dollar revenue and hundreds of staff, and then sold the business to a foreign multinational company. Okwe is one of the few successful startup founders who have led their company from idea to exit in Africa. We also discussed key things that African founders need to consider as they build their business in the continent. Welcome to the show, Okwaiya. Thank you very much, Jotun. I know we were discussing just before we came online about how you got started with Jabberman and you... It wasn't your first business. You are founder of Google Host. You're also co-founder of Jobberman. But it looked like you started other businesses before then. So let's start with how did you ideate Jobberman?
1: Okay, good. So Jobberman idea actually came on when... um I was trying to solve my own problems right i was a third year student i was supposed to go on internship as an engineering student you as have an to engineer, go on exactly as an engineering student you have to go on internship it's compulsory right and we call it the so, a student industrial work experience scheme unfortunately i didn't find any company that was going to take me and this had nothing to do with me being skilled i was a skilled web developer you know. But then I just didn't find any company, right? So I decided to do something crazy. I entered at my own company. So right? you have a company already? Yes, I already had a company at that point in time. I was a student entrepreneur. So I entered at my own company. Interestingly, I wasn't the only one, right? There were three or four other people who also interned students. What was this company doing? It was a design agency. Website design, graphics design, and the likes. Okay, let's go back.
0: So it means, I know a lot of people would have asked you about how Jammerman Go started. I'm keen about you as an entrepreneur, it looked like you've been starting businesses before man That's correct. You had this design agency as a third-year student, yes. tell me how that got started. How What drove you into entrepreneurship as a student that was employing people and even employed
1: your own colleagues? Uh, okay, I think that went pretty much beyond even uh, my um, entry into Awolowo University, right? While waiting at home for the resumption date um, for my first year, I got involved in learning graphics design. I got really bored at home, so I just said I wanted to learn something. So, victory you be okay. Um, that was my graphics tutor. Then, um, he taught me how to design graphics graphics and um, gave me a 1 hour class on web design you know and uh, <laughs> Pretty more. I took all that knowledge and started, you know, practicing, practicing.
0: You had access to a computer, do you?
1: Yes. I think I should also ma- mention that that really helped them a lot, right? Um, we had a computer at home. Um, before you could know it, I was the only one using the computer for <laughs> like forever, you know. So I started doing a lot of hours of practice using information online. Um, browsing online then wasn't that easy. We had a computer, but we didn't have internet, right? So I had to go to the campus to overnight browsing. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of the people who got on internet um, in Nigeria the early days. Understand what that means yeah, overnight that browsing. Well.
0: Yeah. Half of the people there are either sending yahoo mail or watching pornography. Or
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have to do overnight browsing. You know, those were the days when I would see websites, um, save the website, literally save the website on a disket because I wanted to check out the HTML markup of the page to see exactly how they got some effects um done. You know, those were the very early days. You go, you research, save it on disk, and you go back home and try and do the work, you know. So those were the interesting days, you know. Yeah. So that was how I started. I got proficient in a short while, rather, right? and I started designing for clients. And from there, it just made sense that I needed to have a company. So, the first thing I did... this? This was 2004. Right. So, 2004. you were
0: designing websites for clients.
1: For clients. You were
0: building... So, a client that needed a website to be done, you're doing it for them and you're charging them for that. Exactly. Before you started university.
1: No, in my first year in university. In your first year the, year the learning period was pretty much that gap year um, between secondary school and university.
0: Okay. And then, while you were at university, you were very proficient in designing websites. Yeah. And you very few people that can design websites, so it was quite easy for you to get into that market. Exactly. And, and you can juggle that with your academic as
1: well yes i did that quite well (laughs) i didn't do bad with that at least i had a second class of (laughs) that's quite good
0: how did it uh, grow to become an agency where you're not employing people
1: okay well it's graphics design at first and web design you know at some point you get to a level where there's a lot of clientele um, that you have to service you start thinking of having other graphic designers other web designers to join you you know some people are learning you're trying to also build them and nurture them to become better then all the admin stuff starts coming in. It's discovered I have to do a lot of invoicing, a lot of follow up, a lot of prospecting as well, you know. So at last stage it meant I needed to expand, you know. So I had to get someone for admin. Then two people were there also learning and supporting the work at the same time. Yeah.
0: Were you doing everything remotely or you had them in a particular place?
1: We're all in a particular place. I had a small office um in Ife. In the then, campus? Yes, on the campus. So everything was on the campus? Yes. So most of your clients were students? Most of the clientele were on the campus as well. Of course, there were some clientele outside. I had a few clientele in Lagos, Um, quite a few, you know.
0: So you the had you go to lecture in the morning and then resume back at your office in the evening, work late and then go back to the room and then go back to lecture in the morning.
1: That's correct. And even doing breaks, you know, sometimes when you have um lectures early in the morning, you have like um three, four hours to spare, you quickly run to the office and go do some work.
0: <laughs> okay. So I'm trying to run a thread through the story now. So you have that going, you're making money, you have clients and you have staff working with you. Yeah. And then you were supposed to now do your internship and you couldn't get a place to do internship. Were you actually looking because I was wondering how it's going to work if you are took to do an internship and that internship required you to go to Lagos. How would you continue your agency? Good question.
1: Right, I was actually looking for, and the reality is, even though I did business as a student, the reality is most student businesses don't actually make a lot of money. You know, of course, maybe enough money to fend for yourself, fend for three to ten other mouths. But one thing about student entrepreneurs is the fact that the fact that they even started doing business while in school males, they sort of have some level of ambition or some clarity about what they want to achieve out of life you know and in most cases it goes beyond even the student community you know so i already knew kind of what i wanted that one secondly like i said most of your clientele are on campus so even when the school is on break you pretty much have very uh little clientele to deal with so it's more like one of those things you know when you start very early your life is just pretty much very different you don't go to class when everybody goes to class your life is different NYC you have to do NYC for example and you still have to run a business while doing NYC so you just have to figure out how to juggle all those things sacrifice more time and yeah that was it for me I actually never thought I could do my internship with myself it's a thought that's Kind of crazy. Someone is expected to sign your logbook and all of that. You know, you're supposed to work in a company. You're you looking know, forward to working in a proper structured company. In a company. proper structured company. Exactly. You know, I really wanted that experience and that exposure as well. And you, you couldn't know, get that. And I couldn't get it. So
0: you worked in your own company and that led you to a, a new epiphany. Exactly. If you smart, connected entrepreneur couldn't get a job, what is the prospect for people that are not like you? So exactly. tell me how that morphed into Jobberman.
1: Good. During the um, internship period, one of the things that came to light, like I said, was the fact that if I had this problem, other people have this problem, that's one. And I saw a big opportunity in there and I spoke to my colleagues who were also having the same internship, same issue, same problem, right? They didn't choose my own company as first choice, obviously. It was like their last choice, you know? But then when they got nothing, they discovered that they just had to, <laughs> <That's>, oh, <laughs> to what you, make do with what, you, what, what you they could get, them. you know? So I said, let's build this platform, right? And then we came up with the platform. Sorry. The Um,
0: colleagues that work with you became your founder or what
1: um no they were working in the company okay <laughs> you know so they were not my co-founders
0: okay so how do you okay so it's, so it's a long story so i'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna get there yeah.
1: <laughs> it's an interesting one so work together on the platform you know build a first version pretty much all of them were learning you know so the people that are
0: working with you yeah, exactly you, so you, you ideated this thing with them exactly so let's build a first version of and what were you building
1: we're building a job listing
0: website a job listing website, website yeah to list job opportunities that graduates can find exactly jobs discover and apply exactly
1: you know so we built this first version. It was one of us also that gave it the name. And, you know, was just asking, okay, now that we've built this thing, what name should we call it? Everybody started suggesting names. Someone that came up and said, Jobberman. And I said, I like that name. That's it. You know, <laughs> and that's how the name Jobberman came to be. It wasn't my own idea. It was yeah. someone else's idea. The name, and Jobberman.
0: none of this while yeah. your co-founder, you said you're going to get to that place where your co-founders came on board. Opinion, yeah. But yeah. the guys that started this thing with you, it'd be like the story of Facebook in the dormitory when people were coming up with, how do we do this and blah, blah, you know, like when you watch the movie, social nature. It looked like that to me here that you guys were together in a dormitory somewhere and you were ideating how do we build a job listing website for Nigeria. And what happened next after yeah. you built it so you build a platform you build a back end or you got a template
1: so um basically it was me getting a template initially okay. right I'm um, using my own design skills to build a very beautifully different let me put it that way you know um front end uh, to it so it really looked amazing so <laughs> was it a Word wordpress template no it wasn't wordpress i can't remember the name of the script then but it was one script i got online then but it wasn't wordpress
0: and it was a job list uh, uh template pretty much like a listing
1: template yeah and
0: then you just adjusted it and, exactly and then you built so when it. you built it, the MVP was we can list jobs here.
1: Exactly. Just specific. and what was the next thing that you did? So after doing that, and a friend and uh, one of the, my colleagues then came up with the name. I was already running the web hosting company by then, by the way. So part of the learnings um, during the IT period was to show them how to host <laughs> website, which meant I needed to host the um, website we just um, built, right? Right. You know?
0: <laughs> so. Okay, we're going to go back to the story of how you started uh, the, web the web hosting company, company yeah. but we're not focusing on Jobberman. So,
1: you have a hosting company, and then you now hosted man, hosted you Jobberman. Know, okay. So, that was pretty much what we did, and um, the internship period ended as such. Nothing, wrong. It didn't go beyond that, right? And everyone forgot um, about it. I kind of made a few moves trying to, like, talk to my Hey, guys, I think we could really do this as a business. Let's do this on there.
0: Oh, sorry. So, you built a website, you built a double list site, no jobs there. You just
1: left it? Yes. That was just it. Remember that I was on an internship, right? And the colleagues were also on internships so as far as everyone was concerned at that point right it was an internship project so just think about it like hackathons today you know people go to hackathons group of people some will code some will add some idea the other some will be the guys which lead everybody else to <laughs> to get the work done you know and all of that and they build this nice mvp and then they leave the hackathon three days after and that's like it so pretty much it was like that at that point in time right um i had this old dream of oh build jubberman as a big jobs website you know some um, uh, I think the exact man out at some point. I just went back to focusing on my design agency and web hosting company, you know, until my final year in school. And then um Dejiadewomi, my co-founder and CEO of Chopperman, walked up to me and it's like, okay. Oh, i know you have this job website you built you told me about a long time ago i'm not sure you've really explored the opportunities in here right you've pretty much just left i'm like yeah i, I pretty much left it like you can see i have a lot of things to focus on was like oh, well, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there you know and then he sat me down we started discussing the opportunities what's happening in india not in india It pretty much took it to another level so they just this kind of person like is one of those few people that I know that their ambition, right? It's on a different level. The ambition to change the world to do something great for themselves and for society. You know, it's it's really on a different level. And it's been like that, like, since I've known it, <laughs> you know. There was something interesting that we did while we were in school, even before German DG told me and a couple of other guys said, let's do an award ceremony for the top 30 30 entrepreneurs in Africa. And we're going to do that in Arusha, Tanzania. This way, boys in Ife, Ni- like <laughs> Ocean State, Nigeria. Thinking about how Thinking to do about something
0: to, in Tanzania. To,
1: do, to organize a Pan-African Award ceremony in Tanzania. And we did a budget of... $500,000 for this. It sounded like we were crazy. And maybe we were crazy and we couldn't get $500,000, obviously.
0: Did right? you make move to do
1: that? Together? We made a move and we got $10,000. Oh, <laughs> said, so That's a move. You know, we got $10,000. So we got somewhere. <laughs> we just didn't get quite close. It's kind of, I di- digress there, you know, yeah. but just kind of show you the kind of things we really wanted to do even while we were students. And it's like, oh, me I think we should really do this. I'm like, yeah, Deji, you've got a great point. The opportunities you've shown clearly explains the opportunity in Nigeria and why it it's a now or never kind of opportunity. I'm very happy that I listened to him that day, you know. And that was how Joe Man officially kicked off as a business. <laughs>
0: what happened then? So you had this conversation... You have the website already running, nothing is happening there. Digi kind of inspired you to say, we can take it to the next level, showed you what is possible. After that conversation, what was the next step?
1: So basically, it was like, let's do this together. Um, we agreed on terms, on a few things, you know, adding some of my own ground rules. You know, I was a little bit cocky.
0: <laughs> because you thought you built it right? yeah, and you they can't do it without it. yeah.
1: So I was kind of trying some things. I wanted. Blah, 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 Let's do it this. Way. Let's do this. No fundraising. By the way, one of the conditions then was like, Teji, we're not doing any fundraising. I'm not trying to raise $500,000 now. I'm trying to build this job, man. All right. And I was clear. clear. They said, okay, no problem. No fundraising. We're just going to do this. Before, what was it, a revenue model that you guys have in mind? Frankly, when we kicked off, we were kind of a little bit flexible and how we wanted to make money out of it. We really felt, number one, it needed to be done and someone needed there to do it, and that would have to be us. But right, um, well, we just knew that okay, you could make money from employers or from job seekers, but you could always figure that out later on after you've built a sizable platform of both job seekers and employers. So you want to build an
0: audience first, and then you figure out the revenue later. But that presumes that you have some money to keep going, or you have some resources that you're going to use, or the founders don't need a lot of money to get to that place where you start making money, because you don't want to raise. Initially.
1: Well, um, remember that I was running a web hosting company and the design agency, so pretty much applying money from that source <laughs> into the business.
0: Right. So you were funding it from an existing business
1: exactly. that you have. Exactly. And
0: all of you are still student then, so you don't need to be making money to yeah. be paying rent. Exactly. So you're we not
1: paying rent. Frankly it was not a lot of costs, just hosting costs major. And your I'll hosting
0: can be done through your
1: we'll Google hosting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So your major cost is hosting. That is sorted. You don't have to get salary because I'm driving at something here a lot of people want to start businesses in this part of the world in Africa and one of the key things that they put to themselves is funding and they say if I don't have funding I can't start it but you figured out something you have an existing business that you're using to build an high growth business and then you also have a way of reducing the cost for how long did you do that
1: we were kind of lucky I think Uh, I had to do that for one year. I think the business had only existed for one and a half years when um, Tiger Global reached out. The business had only been in existence for a few months when Chicken will be reached out.
0: (laughs) Right. Interesting. So when you launched it again at the university what was that launching like and how did you get the initial employers to be putting their jobs on the platform and also job seekers be discovering it
1: initially we found it very difficult to get employers you know so at some point we just said won't bother we did what any sensible entrepreneur would have done is to kind of hack your way through we're just taking jobs from the newspapers and we're putting on the platform and we focused on just getting job seekers along that's what we did while we were in school was when we got to Lagos so we equipped to Lagos, if I'm allowed to say that, that we started now focusing on getting the employers in because now we had direct access to them. We could go to the offices, we could disturb them, send salespeople there, you know, use our network to get access and all of that.
0: Right. So initially, you were hacking your way, looking at where a job posted, and then you're just copying and pasting that onto your platform.
1: Exactly. And
0: how are you getting? Cause it's a two sided marketplace, right? How are you getting the job seekers to the platform?
1: So getting the job seekers was a little bit tough, but then we still act that way through. A couple of things that worked for us in the very early days was um, Facebook pages. And that was when yes. in the old news feed algorithm pages were still really ranked high and you could see all the stuff on the walls of uh, people, right? And what we did then was um created a Facebook page, asked all our friends to like it, invited all our own Facebook friends. Then it was easy. You could log into your account and invite all your friends to like your page. And nobody was inviting them to like pages anyways. So I'll someone invite to like a page, you like it. You know. <laughs> and then We didn't have a lot of friends. We're not popular. 100 friends, 50 friends, 70 friends, you know. But then we had a lot of female friends who asked our female friends, oh, I need to do this. This is what I'm trying to do. Come and log in into your page for me. And of course, female friends had a lot of admirers, which meant a lot of friends compared to the guys, you know. Those were not the days of when you had internet celebrities. Yes. Yeah. so It was only the girls that <laughs> yeah. had a lot of friends. Not these days of 5,000 friends when we didn't even know any of them. You of knew course. all your friends. Yeah. Yes, true. So the girls would log in uh, for us, would invite all their friends to like the pages. We did that a lot. You know, we did that a lot. You know, SMS marketing really worked for us then too. It was very early in the days, not now when nobody wants to get bulk SMS. Then you were special if someone even sent you bulk SMS. Like, I didn't even know you sent it. But you just got this wonderful lesson. So we did a lot of that, sending bulk SMS. Facebook marketing I think those were the two things that worked for us in fact the things we spent money on apart from like hosting we actually spent money on getting some good SEO work done by a good guy in South Africa then he was one of like the top SEO guys in Africa and he was based in South Africa I can't recall his name top of my head now I think we paid $400 or something for the SEO which we, we knew that it was just the right thing to do a lot of people in your design university they were not focused on SEO they were not focused on good design and you know we needed to get all of that right design was also something that worked down very well for us my design skills paid off there. I think at that point in time when you look at job websites you could say that this job manga is quite serious because the website just looked very professional and clean compared to a lot of websites that you would see online at that point in time.
0: And what were you tracking in terms of your growth? Were you tracking the number of people that visit your website or number of people that are clicking to apply for a job or number of applicants?
1: Frankly, at that point, we were only tracking three things. Number of employers, number of jobs, and number of signups job seekers. I'm
0: talking about the early beginning. You were controlling the number of jobs and employers because you were yes. just copying and pasting
1: from other people. Yes.
0: So at the beginning, were you just tracking the number of job seekers that were coming to...
1: Oh, okay. From app- a good point of view, of course, it um, was only two things we could track, um, number of applicants and number of um, sign-ups. So up, job okay, so up.
0: people can sign up to become part of Jobberman community.
1: Exactly. Okay, so
0: that's what you're tracking there, yeah. and that's what you took to Lagos to go to employer and say, "Hey, we've got thousands and thousands of job seekers on our platform, and were you segmenting them at that point as well, or was just
1: Nah, these okay. were very early days. Super early. That's you know? good. I could tell you it was even only after one year that we started the platform that we added analytics to it.
0: Right. So <laughs> you're not segmenting that, okay, we have graduates and number of chemistry graduates, number of computer science graduates. It was just, we have 5,000 job seekers.
1: Just get them on board. Instead
0: of you advertising on Guardian on Tuesday, you can advertise with us as well. Just and get them on board. Yeah. And then it's just straight application. They apply and then the employers sort, sort out the rights. Exactly. When did we
1: start making money? Good. I think we started making money just a few months after Tiger Global invested in us. That was when we started making real money. No, I think we started making some money even before then. Pretty much when we moved to Lagos, and we moved to Lagos um, early 2010, and we started making money, but it was not a lot of money. And the model was very straightforward. The model was free for employers, always free for job seekers. But then if the employer wanted us to do a little bit of more work in sorting and um, shortlisting, we did all of that manually. There were no ATSs then, we didn't there are no auto passing or CVs like we've got today, no advanced costs, like all those fine wonderful stuff. We didn't have all of that. Which is then. quite
0: good because that's how you start. It's, exactly. A you do things that don't scale basically. All the complicated automation and APIs and stuff. Whereas yeah. you need to understand what you're trying. You validate exactly. your business idea, validate the process, validate some of the assumptions that you have. Then automate them yeah. after you validated
1: that. I think, I think one of the learnings from those days was for me, and which I still hold there till today, is the fact that no matter what you're trying to build, there's an MVP for it. I've met a lot of entrepreneurs who say the kind of thing I'm trying to build, unfortunately, the smallest version of it has to be this size, and this size is like has to be like a million dollars investment. I'm like, okay, good luck to you, you know. But I think for everything you want to do, there's always a very little MVP to it. Sometimes the MVP could just be even asking questions and getting people to pay for something that does not exist, yes. you know. Yeah, whatever, there's always an MVP to it.
0: Yes. So you started that lean, and you built it up, and then you started making money from something that wasn't scaling. It's, what you have now in general mind is totally radically different from what you started with, but it's an incremental growth.
1: You're very correct.
0: Let's talk about how you got your first investment. You said Chica Mobi. One of the top entrepreneurs and investor in Nigerian ecosystem, he reached out. How did he get to know about you? Whilst you are still at Obafemi Awolowo University if,
1: uh, as a student, running this business. Chika is a wonderful guy, and he's got some funny traits. Um, I think I have some of those traits too. That are very contrary, and let me put it that way to what other people uh, do. Like, Chica doesn't invest because TechCrunch is so or because Gartner said, do it this way. He kind of trusts his instincts and he goes a little bit to do some things that are like weird and something you don't find other investors doing. So, Chica just left um, as CEO of MTech, a company that he was responsible for building from scratch and to public. Right. And I guess he was just kind of looking for something to work on. I think he got involved with government and something on job and all of that then he started looking for people who were doing stuff on jobs Um, everything I'm talking about is what he told me (laughs) right and then he goes online does his googling and find this job man right on top of the search engine oh look uh, these guys, who are the founders, you know, I think he saw one article, saw so Digi's name, saw my name, they calls them. I was like, okay. And then he goes to the website, signs up as an employer, <laughs> you know. And it was those days when we really didn't get a lot of employers signing quite... up. So, you know, you notice every single employer sign up. Like, ah, Chicken be has signed up as an employer. We knew him who he was, by the way, you know. You
0: knew who he was? Who he was, by
1: the way. When we're trying to draw the top 30 gig thingy, he was one of the people we knew that, like, were top 330 entrepreneurs in Nigeria, you know. So we had even actually sent an email to him before on a different project, like two years before the, yeah. that. Yeah. He ignored the email, you know. He didn't respond to the email. And um he just so after he signed up as an employer, Nothing happened then. Two days after I just reached out. That's like he's interested in meeting us. Likes what we're doing. So that like typical chica. It doesn't need like someone to introduce him to an investment before he makes a movie Mm -hmm. feels it's the right thing, you know. You don't have to pitch to him pretty much. Mm -hmm. He pitches to you.
0: (laughs) So he said he wants to meet up with you and he came all the way to EFET. He
1: didn't come. We told him that we were going to come to Lagos. (laughs) So we went to Lagos, had the first meeting with him. The meeting went very well. He wanted to understand our numbers, wanted to understand what we're trying to do, how far we've gone what we're doing, what we're doing, you know, they had a good time. Had a good lunch as well. He paid for lunch, you know. <laughs> so we went back to Ife, you know. Then when you go back, Ife made us an offer that he wanted to work with us, he was ready to invest in the business, he's going to support us.
0: But you were not looking for funding.
1: We're not looking for funding. That was the interesting part. So for the first funding and the second funding, we never looked for any. Right. We're very focused on trying to build the business, you know. Very focused on trying to build the business. Um, so
0: you just made an offer based on further. You liked what you're doing. Yeah. And said, okay, I want to invest. And this is the valuation I think you guys should Yeah, and exactly. you neg- with him
1: exactly so when he made that offer for us it wasn't really about the valuation what we're very keen on was we already knew anyways that it was hard to kind of crack the employer space you know and we had not been successful up to that stage we had only been successful in cracking the job seeker space and we were seeing growth good growth we're already at top 50 most visited websites in nigeria even as students so we already knew that yeah it's something that was going somewhere and um so we told him that he had to be the first CEO of the business. That was the condition. For you us. told
0: him to be a CEO of, of the, the business. business. Yeah,
1: he had to lead the business
0: as an investor. You asked him, investor okay, we and to and, yeah, and run the business. Yeah. So
1: it um, was it was not a new concept. In fairness, at that point, and we already read Tony Ishii's book about um Zappos, and we you know the fact that Tony Ishii was not the found out Zappos but it was the first year and grew the business so we saw an opportunity that this dude already understood the space was already successful with building a business he's taking the company public why don't we get him to lead us for the next two years you know and I remember that we were still students right so we felt we needed that kind of androading you know for a while before we also got confident to take things um,
0: for and them. what did he say
1: he said he was going mm-hmm. to think about it <laughs> then later on he came back he said yes he was going to it's, do it that must be really you know, big
0: for you Yeah, you uh, no. got somebody would let come in public, a high-profile investor
1: coming in as a CEO. As a CEO. You know, so yeah, he came on board and he did it. No, he was coming into the office like two days a week. You know, yeah. but that was something. You really so you find had an investors. Office, so we had an office. So he gave us an office in Kakawa Street, Marina, and we set up there.
0: But were you all done at university or you guys dropped out of university?
1: No, remember this was my final year university. Myself and Lekon. Deji was studying medicine, so he still had like a year more to go. Apart from us, right? So immediately we finished, and I defended my project. This is in February two thousand and ten, and the next week I moved to Lagos, same as Legon. We both moved to Lagos immediately. Deji was still in Ife and still spent like a year in Ife before he now moved to Lagos to join us.
0: So you guys were working from Kakawa Street. Yes. How many of you then?
1: So, well, myself, Lekon, Chika, we had two people join us. Early on, in the sales teams. we had two guys join us to as devs as well. Um, pretty much, I had two devs from you uh, immediately, <laughs> you know, to join me on engineering, so I could also spend more time on design. I was the digital marketer, I was the CTO, I was the UI UX designer, and of course, the graphics designer.
0: <laughs> two things here. What was the impact of you coming to Lagos on the business, and what the impact of Chica an experienced entrepreneur on the business as a CEO, and what did you see in terms of growth?
1: Good impact of us coming to Lagos, um, the kind of business we're trying to run. Right? If we're in Lagos, it would have been super difficult to run it. The companies were in Lagos and the companies wanted to have meetings, so we definitely needed to come to Lagos, right? So the business would have failed if we're still in effect. That's the truth. The only way the business could have succeeded was if companies evolved from having to do face to face meetings, you know, and were fine with doing everything online, you know. And I don't believe the myth that all uh... Tech startups have to be in Lagos. You know, there are some tech startups that have no business being in Lagos, no matter how big they are. You know, so ghost for example, we rarely have clients visit WooGhost, and so we don't really necessarily have to be in Lagos if we don't want to be in Lagos. In fact, those are one of the things we're thinking about, you know, on setting up remote support and all of that. But that's by the way, I digress. So that's on one part. On the part of Chica coming about as CEO, Chica did open a lot of doors for us that we could not have opened ourselves. That's the reality. Maybe thinking about it today, I really wish they had done much more. You know, I'm just being greedy. I've been over to twist, but even the little that it did, the results that we got from the little that it, it did, we couldn't have gotten it anywhere else. That's the reality. You know, that's what most people fail to understand. So, for example, it was very instrumental in getting us to partner with MTN, who really helped us in the very early days. We signed a deal around marketing jobs via SMS alerts. MTN really spent a lot of money. Pushing and marketing the SMS alerts powered by Jobberman. You could imagine what that did for a small brand like us when you open the Tuesday Guardian and then you see an empty advert on the first page and I see powered by Jobberman on that on radio. You hear the same thing on the billboards. You see the same thing. That was big.
0: That oh, was really and big. so people were thinking that you guys had so much money. That you were doing the advert, but whereas you were leveraging on network and
1: a partnership so one of the things we got very good at like i told you was growth hacking and pretty much what most people don't understand is um, we're one of the very well-known startups in nigeria but we're also one of the very well-known startups that have raised the least money how much did you raise in total i think in total till date you know total outside investment into jobman even after the merger and all of that it's less than five million dollars
0: five million dollars yeah. so chica invested how much at the beginning um
1: it was a very small amount of money but i won't talk about that yeah okay so
0: that enabled you guys to come in and work for the business and, and draw salary
1: not like a really great salary um the reality was we were very clear what we needed chica to come in to do was that leadership. So that was why the key condition for us was not being the first CEO, right? Not the money. The money was very small. Frankly, maybe Ugo's was making more (laughs) than the salary. (laughs) You get what I'm trying to say. And you're still
0: putting Ugo's money into the business.
1: After Chica invested, I stopped putting Ugo's money into the business, except for the fact that I think for a long time, the hosting, Jobama was still owing Ugo's hosting money. You get the point? Because that was kind of already covered. So let's use the money that's coming in for what's most important, what can't be covered, you know?
0: But then you and Lekon were working full-time for the company. Full-time for
1: the business, yeah. For the
0: business, and you're not drawing salary.
1: We're drawing a very small salary. I think my salary then was um, 40000 I think. (laughs) This was very, super early days.
0: (laughs) Interesting. And then a few months after that, Tiger Global, an investment firm based in South Africa or New New York, York. reached out to you by email to say, hey, we like what you're doing and let's have a chat. Or oh, how did that go? Well, they reached out by LinkedIn.
1: By LinkedIn? Yeah. They reached out to me. I saw it. I Googled them. I didn't find anything online. Like, I just kind of check the website directly. TigerGlobal.com. I didn't find anything. I felt it was scam. Like, you know, like they've come again, you yeah. know. So, I kind of mentioned it to Deji like, Oh, Deji look at this. Scammers have come again. Deji goes, does his research, and he comes back and says, It's not a scam, it's a real company. They've done this investment here and there, and I think we should talk to them. So,
0: no, by that time, they've not invested in Uroco because they did the same thing to Uroco. No, they
1: had not yet invested in Uroco the then.
0: Right. Then you reached out back to them and said, yeah. Okay, let's have a chance. Yeah. And what happened after that?
1: So, pretty much after we reached out back to them, they thought Okay, we could talk. The discussions went really. Fast, <laughs> and then they told us that they were coming around like the next two weeks to South Africa and they could just do a stop by Nigeria so they came around to our office had a few discussions with Chika as well Chika um, was there as well the CEO. yeah yeah, yeah. Chika was there they had a few discussions uh, around what we're trying to do and Chika's involvement and all of that they also wanted to understand what that meant for them since so Chika was involved and all of that and um, right after that meeting they, they made the offer and uh, yeah that was it
0: they made an offer immediately after the meeting. after the meeting. Because I've had that kind of story
1: before as yeah. well with
0: Tiger Global. I think they have a very strong thesis around the market they're yeah, yeah. playing in. And they, you just want to play there. And they, how much do they invest after that?
1: Yeah, so just to corroborate what you said, the way they invest. A lot of people think they invest out of a whim, like <laughs> just off the bat. That's not necessarily true. What they really do is they do all the research before they come. They've already asked questions with other players in the space, researched a space, look at all the players in the space, figured out what they want to talk to, what they think the opportunity is worth. But what they don't try to negotiate to add on is what valuation is and all of that. They believe an opportunity is an opportunity and they've gotten very lucky with getting into companies early and those companies have shown great results. So they kind of focus on that thesis, you know. So they're not investing you because of your valuation. They're investing you because they think you can get somewhere and they want to support you to get there. So they're very clear.
0: And they have some know. strong opinion about the market. Exactly. And it's that market, they're not looking for who is playing in that market. Exactly. Who will credibly win in that market. Exactly. Because if this market is huge, if somebody can win in that market, then we're gonna look for the person that we
1: can. I'm back, back the person. You right. get the point. So they invested one million dollars for thirty percent of the business.
0: How radically different was that for you when you had a VC firm is now investing a million dollar into this small idea that you guys were just playing about in a dormitory of your of your uni.
1: Well, a lot of things changed. <laughs> Needless to say, of course, we knew everything was never going to be the same in terms of what the spotlight was going to look like and expectations from us for the business. Which that was obviously that time when I had to. Focus 100 percent of my time on German because it was clear when someone gives a million dollars you're not gonna tell him that you're trying to do do something. Else. <laughs> you, like, you just don't do that, you know.
0: And what time did you the university?
1: Yes, and they just joined us. Okay. okay yeah. So
0: was that the time that Chika to step down?
1: Yes. Um. So the part of deal with Chika was we gonna be CEO um for a couple of okay. years or we eat X number in revenue, you know. And so pretty okay. much the handover was very smooth and organic. Yeah. And then did you became the CEO? The CEO.
0: So basically you are. The $1 million from Taiwan Global and what did you spend most of that money
1: on? I know the answer you're expecting to hear is marketing.
0: No, that's not what i meant. <laughs> I'm just expecting an answer.
1: <laughs> okay, good. So, most of it went to hiring went to infrastructure growth and I would explain. So we grew so fast from that point. It wasn't long before then that we five hundred thousand users, seven hundred thousand users. We grew so fast and there was a lot of money out there from an infrastructure point of view.
0: What do you mean by infrastructure?
1: So service also our growth engine at that point in time happened to still be SMS and email marketing. <laughs> so a lot of money went into that. A what? lot of money.
0: And when you say growth you are basically looking at job seekers growth
1: rather than one of the things the money of the achieve was to get employers to know that we were serious so i think the uniqueness of our business actually helped us to work out how we wanted to do pr you know for our business i'm a very private person for those who know me is so our pr did not happen because we want to be seen in the news no did you not even have a Facebook account? Is that bad. Private, private, you know. But then, we're a business that we need employers to believe us. So, it meant you had to be out there. Employers need to know the brand. The strategy was not about we, but about the business. So, the MTN deal, what we did with Business Day, what we did with the Guardian, those were targeted at making sure that name was out there. So, that know? when employers are making decisions about where to advertise. They know the name Jobberman. Jobberman. Someone is going to mention Jobberman in their company, in, even yes. whether we're the salesperson, we salesperson reach them or not. That was critical for us. And that was exactly why we targeted really going out there and becoming a household name.
0: And was the revenue going up at that point as well?
1: It was going up. (laughs) Like everything just changed drastically. (laughs) Cost changed. You know, revenue changed. And the number of staff changed. Everything changed.
0: Okay, and did you raise more money after that and why did you raise more money after that? Okay,
1: so um, pretty much after that, we didn't raise money from any other entity. It wasn't long after that that uh, we got involved with the One Africa Media Group.
0: Before you get to One Media Group, were you profitable after that $1 million?
1: No, we're not profitable. We're burning a lot of money, obviously.
0: So this is an experience that I had then when I was running my first startup is when you're burning a lot of cash and you're looking at, oh, this is bad, ridiculous, I don't know, when you thinking that, when you look at it, there was born last month, 40, 000, in my own case, about £40,000 monthly mm-hmm. ban. You feel a sense of responsibility to your investors and also to your staff that this thing must not stop abruptly because a lot of people are going to be crying. Did you have that
1: kind of sense? A lot of times. The interesting part of our own experience was that compared to what we're hearing outside, now that startups were doing, no names, <laughs> we're in a lot, we're so cheap. No big cars, no fancy offices initially and all of that. But even the investors wanted us to do more. They wanted us to grow faster. I could recall me putting my foot on the ground that I didn't want my engineering team to be more than five. (laughs) I entered the marketing team of three and we're going to combine everything together. And then an investor pretty much drawing a map of like a country like Australia, the biggest jobs website in Australia, the number of employees in the company by number of people in the population, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then drawing the same thing for Nigeria and telling me what exactly Joan was supposed to look like, (laughs) (laughs) you know. And I'm like, Wow okay, so we're supposed to have like a thousand staff from Water Georgia. I'm like, yes, absolutely correct. Like, wonderful. I don't no. want to have a company 1,000 staff. Nah, I'm going to run away before that happens. <laughs> you know, at least, except I see the revenues coming in, then I know, Yes, you know. Of course, my views have changed and evolved. There's some things that investors have told me then I think I see to Not be true or not to be true in all cases, you know. And there are some things that have turned out to be true, you know.
0: What's well, your unit economics okay then? Were you acquiring because your case is a cost of acquiring two entities, the job seekers and the employers? And how are you able to calculate the unit economics for that in terms of how much you acquire them and how much you're making, whether per employers or per job seekers?
1: Okay, so now let me point out that even though we're making money, the focus at that point then was not on. Revenue. The focus was very much on growth right and we're tracking that you know ferociously we're growing faster than even our investors envisaged right in and terms of growing the uh, job seekers job seeker numbers right yeah. and even the employer numbers we're growing very very fast like I said we're very good at growth hacking terms of employers even when the old generic email SMS when working again started coming up with opportunities like being in the newspapers and all of that we established a call center specifically for calling companies offering them a free job for and all of that we really grew very fast we grew very very fast through those methods and our investors loved us uh, for it you know i think the key point was how do you now take that growth and then start converting it into monetization and you know a similar company to our man grew was like maybe twitter twitter was growing so fast that they ever imagined but then the question was always how are you going to monetize people now that you have them so i think that was definitely one key thing that so you uh, never figured out to struggle that, with eventually
0: so you didn't figure out that, that beginning your unit economics because you not looking at how much you're making per each user you're just growing the
1: numbers exactly
0: because you had this wide hypothesis that if we grow the numbers we can if we figure out and turn the revenue engine on then we'll be doing something big and massive
1: revenue wise exactly and so was said about facebook and was said about twitter so it just sounded logical <laughs> so what, and then what happened what happened hmm. i think um for us it's pretty much a unique story we as founders at least understood one thing that when investors tell you to grow 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 don't worry about money it comes at a price you're going to get more money but the more money is going to come at an expense to you as an entrepreneur from an equity point of view i think that's what most entrepreneurs don't realize you know that when you're asking for a lot of money and i spend a lot of money what you're saying is come and take my company from me so you have to marry both together you have to consider and wait and be sure you're doing the right thing or how you balance it of course what happened more was we raised more money from the same investor because they were so Happy with us that we didn't really have to start asking anybody else for money. Oh, come and take the money. The money is always. There. We were encouraged
0: <laughs> because investment is also a business. Exactly, and it's in the interest of investors to double down on the winners and get exactly. more equity in that winner. Because exactly, then they can get They can get good returns on that investment. Exactly, so
1: they doubled down. You know, that was just it. they double down basically. You know, and um, after they double down on the business, it came to a point in time when Tiger looked at their portfolio in Africa and they felt there was a need to merge within the One Africa media portfolio so that was how one african media came to be we had Jobberman in the job space we had cheki in the car space we had private property in the property space in Nigeria, we also had similar structure in kenya cheki cars brighter monday that was the German version in kenya brighter monday and um, we also had private property in south africa like let's all merge together become a group this was Tabak
0: Global looking all the investment they made in different verticals yeah, it, perfect. and I said okay can we bring them together as a group? group how are they able to do that is it because they had controlling shares in those companies and those companies don't have a lot of strong opinionated investors as well
1: good at that point in time they were like the majority investors at the single majority investor in each of those businesses there was no other investor apart from either the founders that had more equity than them that was one secondly they were clear what they wanted to try and achieve in fairness to Tiger. Like, they saw an opportunity to merge all these companies together and take this company to market like an IPO, pretty much straightforward. On the heels of huge, fast growth. So it made a lot of sense and it still makes a lot of sense still today. So it was easy for them to do that and um, compare what they've already put in, what they needed to put in to most majority to the amount of cash that they had in their own reserves in terms of funds and other management. It made sense that they could definitely make this um, work.
0: So they merged these companies together in Nigeria, for example, the one you mentioned, Jackie Travelman, which other one? Private property. Private property. So they brought them together under on the One Media, One it? Africa Media. One Africa Media. And it's that with other companies in, in Kenya as well.
1: So it became One Africa Media. It's an African company, right? One. Not a Nigerian company. So they brought together all these brands in the respective countries under on that, that One Africa Media brand. So One Africa Media became, out of the bat, the biggest classified holding company in Africa.
0: Because there's a lot of similarities in all of these companies. Exactly. So when they were making the investment, they were quite strategic that they're investing in. Similar companies that, exactly. can, that can share learnings.
1: If you look at what Jumia tried to do with the old food, car, house. it was pretty, And You know Jumia did jobs, by the way. They tried to do it in Nigeria, ostensibly because of Jobberman. Interesting. <laughs> so they were trying to kind of build the same thing. If you can build that large mass, covering a lot of verticals, that it's understood by the stock market. You can take that whole thing public and then you have a great company. listed on the exchange yeah
0: i want to understand how that played out then how that happened so they brought these companies together you guys still have shares in the company so the story that came out in the media was german is being bought or some people uh, interpreted it that way but what you're telling me now is not that it's just that an existing investor decided to bundle companies together on that one brand and did they buy out did they pay the early investors out or and the founders as well
1: yeah that merging process came at a price of course some people wanted to exit some people wanted a partial exit and of course they were quite open because they were very clear on what they wanted to achieve and they saw the opportunity so it was at that point then that we actually exited jobberman
0: (laughs) oh so when they approached it with this we want to bring everything on that one brand and then you guys said okay this is good
1: but we are out well That sounds more like, oh, I'm getting out of here because this is a bad idea. No. Like you said, this is good, but then this is how it's going to happen because they were going to put everything under one brand. There was no way they could do it except they had 100% of man anyways. Right. You get the point. So you could only do it if you own or if the entity you're taking to the public owns those companies. 100%. 100%.
0: Is that how it should, could have worked? Because it could have worked that, okay, they own significant shares in the company, but everybody's on that one brand.
1: But that means they could have only listed their own shares. No, you can, except you can if list you list shares. every
0: shares, Except you list. Okay, was a plan to list publicly? Exactly. Yeah, okay, wait that. I think they could still list So, you, so, so Because so, you want to exit as well at some point. And everyone, want to get, everybody wants their own shares to be liquid at some point.
1: Exactly, but it's possible we didn't want to do it that way. So, the reality is, except you own a company on percent there are a couple of things you can do. You can't sell other people's shares on their behalf. Yeah. You can't decide how their shares are going to trade or how they're not going to trade. To right. do that, you have to put everything on that one entity. And you can take that one entity or even convince everybody to take that one entity. But, of course, it's easier saying, let's work together as shareholders of one Africa media. And yes. One Africa media to the market. Yes. Not that your own percentage of German percentage of okay. piece, percentage of that,
0: that. Right. It becomes more complicated if exactly. there are multiple shareholders in different Depend- companies. companies within the group and you wanted to list the group publicly, then there's not going to be a parity. Like exactly. Because one of the company might be underperforming compared to the other one. And if you take One Media, what is the value of One Media versus the value of this underperforming company? And
1: one of the shareholders could just say no, it's not listing. <laughs>
0: right. Okay. You know, so,
1: so it just meant One Africa Media at own all the companies companies 100% which meant we had to become shareholders of one africa media and for us that meant we had to do a partial exit you know because at that point in time the kind of fluidity the kind of control the kind of wonderful things we were able to do on the German brand might still be able to continue but under the influence of a bigger party it was at that point that we actually exited the German so the story about Jobberman being bought 100% was true, right? What wasn't very clear about it was the fact that we were still shareholders of the group that bought Jobberman, right? And the fact that we're still going to be running the business.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't an external company coming to buy Jobberman. A merger or an exit can happen when somebody comes to buy the company and say, okay, we're going to buy, but the founders, I want them to stay, so it's going to be shares and cash, But they stay and run this business, but all the existing investors bought out. But in this case, it's not an external investor coming. It's an existing investor Investor. who wants to increase their own shares in order to bundle all their portfolio company under one brand. And that's what happened. And they needed the founders to still continue to execute. Exactly. Under the brand. Exactly. That was what happened to you guys. Now, that will lead to some cultural shift in the sense that you are no longer working for your own business, a job of mine. You're now working for a bigger group with a lot of complications and goodness and and some bad stuff around it as well, too, in terms of bureaucracy yeah. and the slowness of execution and stuff like that. How does that play out for you?
1: Well, it was an interesting one. Like you said rightly, there's the good part <laughs> and there's the bad part. Thankfully, there was no ugly part, right? The good part of it is the fact that you never have to worry about raising money. There's always money, <laughs> from the group. Because of a Global, that was exactly. back in that, that was one good part of it and that's why you never heard about jobberman raising money from any other investor and like so a lot of companies reached out to us to raise i'm like sorry we don't need money we're not looking for money you know so that was a good part of course the bad part was the fact that you had to report to a group ed which meant we had bosses there were things that had to be done in a certain way in the group strategy also which was like myself and my partners for the wasn't Totally 100% us. Some things have to be agreed on. Some things have to be worked on the same way across all the jobs businesses are um, in the group, you know, across Africa. So yeah, those kind of things change. So like, where the guys who before we could just say, you know what? We're stopping to spend our money on Google marketing. We just want to stop giving our money to Google. Try Facebook. Stop Facebook. Let's try WhatsApp. Stop WhatsApp. Let's try some new network that nobody's trying now because we can get better conversions. Because we're having that nimbleness. Exactly. We could do all those kind of things. We could just try, strike a deal with the state government and do something really crazy out of the bat, you know. But now you used to get approvals and all of that, you know. So like there's the good, there's the bad, you know. But of course, um, one of the other good things was I gave us the confidence that we were going to win regardless, even if we move down slowly. So what we try to do as founders, you know, would find themselves to now become <laughs> employee executives. What's <laughs> kind of balance it? right making sure we could still innovate we could still do a lot of stuff you know as founders and you know a lot of stuff were agreed upon early on so that we don't find ourselves having to get approval for every single thing we had to do so, so that was it but um it worked out well
0: so it was like your baby is now mature <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you cannot tell the baby when she come back home and where she's going to live you can have a say but you don't have the control over your baby anymore exactly but it's interesting for you though I and mean, we know we didn't talk a lot about Woogos which you were running at what point did you not I said, okay, now I'm an employer. Can now start working a bit on WooGhost?
1: Well, I really never got back to working on WoodGhost. After I left WooGhost as um, CEO, I really was never CEO of Woodghost. Actually, let me take that back. I was CEO of Innovate Nigeria. WooGhost was a subsidiary of Innovate Nigeria. Right. After I decided to spend um, all of my time at Jobberman, Toba Obani, he became the CEO of Innovate Nigeria. But um one and a half, two years into that, we both made a decision to pretty much kill the mother brand, Innovate Nigeria and focus on Google because we saw as Google was growing as more business were getting online. So we saw that opportunity and we saw how fast Google was growing and um the you know, with Nigeria design business was, you know, it's a design agency you have to pitch for a job and all of that and there were a lot of people getting also into the design space web design web development space you know, it was a good business but yeah, we're just like, no, this is not scalable. This is not what I want to do. You know, I was very clear on that. No, scalability, scalability. My experience with German taught me a lot of things around how well you can be rewarded <laughs> if you grow big. And for a design business, you have to do the work every single month. Mm-hmm. You have to acquire the new customer fresh every single time. It just didn't make sense like this was kind of business wanted to be for a long time and we yeah. said, you know what? Let's focus on girls. Let's kill the mother brand. And it was a wonderful debt. The same brand will bet Jobman, the same brand will be who girls. Now let's just retire this brand. So that's how girls came to. To take it the life of its own
0: okay and then now you're still working a bit with Google so you you're know working. so
1: with... I, I became the chairman of Google. that's what I've remained so far I still continually support over at who how yeah. do you spend your time these days uh, well uh, <laughs> these days I split my time between my family I think I've become a family man <laughs> a lot lately You know, my family spend a couple of hours with Toba mostly on the phone. And when I need to attend some strategy meetings, I do go to I'm as the chairman. You know, it's my duty to also support the business, but I don't really get involved in the day-to-day running of the business in any way. And I've not for like the last six years. Spent some time at Jobberman, though that's reduced to the very minimum nowadays, you know, since I no longer work in Jobberman full-time. I have a couple of things I'm also working on. Outside that, I've also got a non-profit (laughs) in the healthcare space that I'm passionate about i'm passionate about student innovation as well doing some work uh, and all that i think i shifted from trying to kind of focus on making money to supporting other businesses founded supporting businesses i've invested in and also doing the things i'm very passionate about like um, student innovation and healthcare
0: are you investing actively investing or are you raising a fund to invest
1: so a bit of both, I'm part of a collective called Venture Kinetics, a business founded by, a venture fund founded by three co-founders of Chamberman, where we got two other partners on board as well, right? And we're working on raising the fund. We've been at that for like the last uh, one and a half years. I'm sure you know that as well, that fundraising is very hard. I think it's even harder to raise the fund as an investor than as an entrepreneur. That's what most entrepreneurs don't understand. Now I understand why investors behave the way <laughs> they behave, <laughs> you know, it's very hard, super hard to Raise a fund, um, yeah, that's on one side, but on the other side, we've been doing active angel investing for like the last four years, invested in over 16 17 startups with um sizes ranging between five thousand to hundred thousand dollars.
0: So, with Jabba going back again to that story, so you have that one Africa media, and Gigas were able to have some liquidity after that, exactly. And then you still have some shares in the one Africa media, exactly. And then what happened next is one Africa media now going public as the intended, or they're now selling the brand. Else.
1: Okay, now One Africa Media has gone ahead to also join forces with the classified arm of Ringia in Africa, and um, with that, we have what we call the Ringier One Africa Media Group. So it was majorly the One Africa Media assets and a couple of assets um, of Ringia in the in French speaking Africa, and then one asset in Kenya, right? Okay, and one asset in Tanzania that came together to form the Ringier One Africa Media Group. If you hear of any news of um jobberman a man think i'm the ringer africa media going public it's Ringier, one africa media that's going public so that may be planning
0: to go public
1: that might happen and might not really i'm not in a position to say anymore but also it's interesting to know that Ringier is a family-owned business who are not necessarily a fan of going public yeah they've done very well for themselves um with mostly publishing over the last i think they've been around for almost 100 years right in europe switzerland um, eastern europe they've done very well and um at the age of digital they also evolved into digital you know and so they're doing a lot of stuff in that space but from the Ringia One Africa Media business, they've got other stuffs in, in the Ringia group. Pulse.com.ng, for example, is part of the Ringia group. Business Insider in, in Nigeria is also part of the Ringia group. You know, they've got all those stuffs. Um, but for the Ringia One Africa Media, it's the classified business. So it might go public, it might not. Um, I really can't say. But, uh, and the business is crushed.
0: making lots of money now. By the way, man. Before you left, and now they're profitable.
1: And we're nearing profitability, but we're not profitable. Even now. Well, now I can't uh, really you don't say know, much, yeah.
0: But before you left, it was nearing profitability. Yeah. Can you give an idea of the numbers we're talking about here in terms
1: of revenue? No, I can't share. Understand? Okay. Can Remember, you give... we're part of a group now. No, so. that,
0: then um, five figures, six figures. We've
1: always dollars. been at seven figures. Seven for, figures for dollars, dollars, yeah. Since the last Bahano. two, three years, yeah. Okay. So, but I can't just give you exactly what Okay, that's, that's fine. But yeah, it's millions of dollars here. Millions of dollars
0: that from employers paying money to the company to advertise jobs.
1: Mostly employers. The model has evolved from just employers to having some all the services that are being paid for by job seekers, but it's still free to apply for jobs. So, so job like, seekers for example, are paying as well. For some things. So job alerts, for example, job seekers pay for SMS job alerts. You know, job seekers pay for CV services. Job seekers pay for education. But the core thing terms of ability to apply for jobs and get a job, and those are still free
0: right i'm gonna ask a few questions before we close and one of them is about the technology startup ecosystem in nigeria and you were opportunity to be part of that from the beginning you're active in it since 2008 what have you observed what are the key observations that you have about the ecosystem and
1: what are the key learnings that you can draw from those things yourself in 2010 um, i could remember having a discussion with O, <laughs> and O 2011 actually and O said okay oh, you guys have to become internet celebrities i'm like what exactly does that mean said do you notice that every high school male student has a demo cd yes okay that means they're trying to get into music because they can see debange they can see mi and in terms of how do i succeed how do i become something in life that's all they can see and they made it clear that there's the need for other people to be poster children of the internet ecosystem to show the fact that if you focus your time on solving a problem and using technology as an enabler, you can really do something for yourself and that if we can do that the industry should be better for it i don't know whether we did a good job of that but (laughs) it's obvious the fact that a lot of people want to do tech startups nowadays so i can see how things have moved from then to now then it was um, dropouts and graduates of nigerian universities let me put it that way they wanted to do tech startups in nigeria but now you find people with mbas coming back to come and do tech startups you know that shows a lot how things have evolved. The participants then and the participants now, I can see a huge difference in terms of make, background, amount of funding, available, exposure. Things have really changed. It's a real big industry.
0: And you know? think the College of Talents has gone up as well from your Ab- abso- vantage position as jobberman?
1: Absolutely. Person. Absolutely. So, for example, then, no Nigerian used to contribute to open source stuff. Now, you find a lot of people writing stuff, exposing it, and all of that. It shows exactly one of the things that have changed. You find all the developer communities for loop at a meetup sometimes last day for loop yeah and that's 700 people that were in attendance you know of course I know there are more than 700 developers in Nigeria but I never felt 700 tech developers not even people in the tech ecosystem could actually gather in one place you know i smiled when i heard that because it was a clear evidence of what's changed wordpress meetup you finding hundreds of people you know when i tried putting together a wordpress meetup (laughs) 10 years ago i had only five people in attendance you get the point Wordcamp had only 40 people in attendance you know when sherry to put it together then so things have changed a lot of opportunity i'm talking about the good things now right some of the bad parties we're getting drunk on our own uh, medicine let me put it that way way so those days when we raised money i didn't know anything called a series a series b series i didn't understand what that meant we're just trying to build a really big business that was it but now out of the bat businesses have been designed to raise money a lot of young entrepreneurs are getting better and perfecting out of storytelling (laughs) just to be able to raise money because they are told as what entrepreneur what um, investors are needing but it seems kind of weird because the reality is it's not like investors don't want that but there's something they've always wanted and they will always want is the fact that They want to see a business that makes sense and can grow and can get traction and give them returns. That has never changed. There's also the part of the fact that they expect you to actually do a lot of work first before they put their own money in. That has not changed, you know, but it seems like people just want to listen to the part that sounds convenient (laughs) for them. So like I said, we're getting drunk on our meeting that we sometimes forget that what is really important hasn't really changed. Still the same. While I wouldn't say you should try and grow a business without trying to seek funding, but then the business fundamentals still remains the same. Talk about Iroko, talk about Wakana, Jobberman, those three companies that um, Tiger Global invested in pretty much um, in the same year. Those were businesses that the founders focused on just building businesses, <laughs> you know. But well,
0: there's something similar about those businesses, by the way, which, again, is one of the challenges of a lot of businesses having in Nigeria is those three businesses you mentioned, they were given a lot and enough money to execute
1: you're right about that yeah so
0: that means that they can focus on growth without having to worry about paying their rent without having to worry about this business going to die tomorrow they had enough runway to try, fail, stand again. Like, you are able to focus on growth without worrying too much about revenue because you are the million dollars. And the same with Iroko and Wakana. Um, and I think it's a testament on the fact that businesses that are doing well need enough firepower to run
1: quickly. You're very right. Though there's something that is also important to point out, right, that there were some metrics on the ground before these investors came in. Unfortunately, those things have changed now. When I say they've changed, metrics are still needed, but more metrics than then are now needed. So, there's this popular that 1 million has become 10 million 10 million users now is 100 million users you know so the kind of funding we got at 40,000 users that was the number of job seekers we had on our platform when we raised a million dollars right you might need 500,000 users to repeat the same feats, or maybe one million two million 2 million users to repeat the same feat today or maybe 10 million you get the point you know
0: Is that because the quality of users are produced or because the competitive landscape has just changed and
1: there are more players in that space? Well, it's evolution of technology. Those days, it was hard to get people online to start with. So now it's easy. It's easier, rather. It's not like it's easy. It's easier. An app could go viral. And having a million users doesn't really say much about your ability to execute or your ability to make that business work or your ability to keep on growing at that rate, you know. So the metric just keeps changing. That's the reality. The only thing that has not changed is that traction, a great business is a great business, (laughs) you know. And when anybody sees a great business, they know it.
0: Right. So, and that's what has changed then. But I agree with you totally on a lot of things that have changed in the ecosystem. And one of the points I also totally agree with is people have now started designing businesses around raising money, which is very dangerous. And however, though, we needed a lot of people to raise money. To be honest, and this might be contrarian. We needed bad businesses or bad founders to raise money as well, to some extent, in order to a what we talk about, um the celebrity culture of around tech businesses because we needed a lot of money to be in the ecosystem so that people that wouldn't have founded startup would come in. Like people that already have a good job in mobile in G or a bank. and I can think about that guy that raised money look at this it's not actually I can do something better and I can jump into the free as well and do it and raise money. But when there are not a lot of people raising money it. Freezes out good talent to want to come into the ecosystem, but also bad founders or bad companies that raise money and die. There's an effect that they have on the ecosystem. It can be yeah. bad effect, but also the talents that come out of that and can do something yeah. better later on.
1: It's good you corrected that because when it comes to bad founders, yeah. I'm not sure there's like a mode of what a founder is supposed to look like. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> you get the yeah, point. Yeah, I think so, it's the
0: wrong word to say you know, bad founder. Yeah,
1: you get the point. So yeah, some companies have also failed. Um, you know, and uh, rightfully so for different reasons. Yeah. But then yeah, so fundraising i think yeah you're right definitely a lot of money was needed in markets to also show the way but i think things need to be balanced people need more knowledge which thankfully we're getting right this podcast also helps to kind of share some of that knowledge i also think we needed exits early exits and i I think if anything that's what we didn't get and um this is my own prediction about that it's going to go for the uh, nigerian tech ecosystem there's less money coming in now that's Right.
0: Is that true, that less money coming in I think
1: there is less enthusiasm for fundraising by investors in Nigeria at the moment. I stand to be corrected, though. I stand to be corrected. It might be less money relative to what is expected based on how things have grown, like how much money was being invested in Nigeria then, in India then, in other similar countries then and now, you know. So maybe that's it. Right, that's one. Secondly, investors are much more wary than before check signing is taking a longer time <laughs> than ever before you know which has made them um, fundraising not just a job but one of the hardest jobs around even for founders like now you can't build your business and be fundraising at the same time pretty much everybody almost knows that now you have to spend some time focused on on fundraising and that's a huge um stark departure from what it used to be you know so i think what's going to happen eventually is a lot of entrepreneurs We'll start being contrarian again and start building with less funds, right? right? And start figuring profitability out of the bath at first. And once that starts, investors will see that happening. They will start rushing into investing in profitable businesses. And once that starts again, a lot of money will start coming come, come in again. In after, and then yeah. the whole cycle will start again with more entrepreneurs coming into the space because they can see that money Coming in, again. so it's just a cycle, and it keeps happening, and it keeps happening.
0: <laughs> I think I agree with you on that one. Yes, I agree with you on that one that there will be a circle. Yeah, but what I'm not sure whether the place we are in that cycle now, oh, or okay. whether, whether there's less money coming in, but I think you might be right in the sense that relatively compared to where we should have been in Same, terms of yeah. like the growth yeah. of that money yeah. coming in, we might have been so it might be less. If I
1: just seen the fact that in terms of um, number of founders getting the money, I like to consider that as less money, no matter yes. how much the money is in millions of dollars, right? So Like, I also tell some entrepreneurs who ask me my frank thoughts around this. I tell them that the way the market is, it's like it's an exclusive club. It's an entrepreneur's market. In reality, the entrepreneur chooses his price, but then it's only entrepreneurs that get invited to the club that have the opportunity (laughs) to even choose their price. The others get ignored, and I can't say rightfully so, but yeah, they just get ignored. Like, some people can pitch, 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 pitch for years, and then Nobody's ready to put the money in just because and to be it just honest, doesn't add up for most investors.
0: To be honest, it's not only in Nigeria that happens. It happens in most ecosystems as well. It's an exclusive club. So people only invest in people that they can relate to and that they know or has been introduced to them one way or the other. Even in London, fundraising, is startup ecosystem is very small and it's exclusive. The value as well. So when funders get frustrated that, oh, the same money is going to this kind of founder, it's just like that normally. Because investors, number one job of an investor, like <laughs> what Buffett, said is, don't lose money. And number two rule is never forget the number one rule, which is don't lose money. (laughs) So they don't want to lose money. They want to invest in something they're familiar with or people that they're familiar with. But I think we've had a good conversation here. I want to go to the firearm questions where I ask you four questions and I just need good answers to that. So (laughs) yes, I'm putting you on the spot now. Again, this might be a hard one for you to answer because you're not actively running a business now, but what is your biggest business pain point? At the moment, mm. getting oh, customers. Oh, getting for which of your business?
1: Um. Well, everything. <laughs> for Google Host, Google's Java Man, getting customers. Getting
0: customers.
1: Okay. And when I say customers, not users. Oh. Let's be very People clear. People that are paying you. Paying customers. Paying Correct. customers. Okay. Getting okay. customers. That's what you've
0: got to know. <laughs> okay. What is your number one growth metric?
1: Okay, I guess I'll talk about um, Google host Yes, based on that. um, is average revenue per user.
0: Average revenue per user. Yep. And how does that work normally? So people pay per month for a particular
1: hosting package. Pay per month or pay per year. Pay per year yeah. for hosting
0: yeah. package. What is the uh, entry point for your hosting package?
1: 4000 Google? naira per year. 4000
0: <laughs> naira per year. That's really small.
1: Pretty small, exactly. Yeah.
0: Which book are you reading at the moment?
1: Two books. I'm reading um, zero to one again. That's one. And I'm reading a book by Max Lucado, Applause of Heaven. Again. Apples of Heaven. Apples of Heaven. Applause of Heaven. Applause of, of
0: Heaven. Yeah. Okay. Which business is getting you excited apart from any of the business you are involved in? Ah.
1: It's something I don't want to talk much about, but it's in the fintech space. Which business is that? Which business is that? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Why? It's getting excited. Talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's a stealth business. Let me put it's it that still way. It's still in stealth. Okay, what is that business doing? Pretty much it's looking at a new innovative way of doing transactions. Doing transactions. Care to pay. yeah. Peer-to-peer transactions,
0: transaction, um, not digital banking or whatever, just peer-to-peer. to peer transactions, yeah. So it's step mode. Are you involved in it? Are you investing? Somewhat
1: involved in it, yeah.
0: Involved or investing?
1: Investing, actually. Or is
0: that a new incarnation of you coming out now as no. a founder of a peer-to-peer? No, fa-packing? that's not it. <laughs> right. But that's good. It's been interesting <laughs> having a chat with you. I'm very sure that our people that are listening to the podcast will find you very interesting as well. I want to know your story and now know a bit deeper
1: how you got started and what you did. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Thank you very much, Otto, for having me. It's been um, an exciting time. <laughs> great. <laughs> I think I spoke too much than I typically do. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's what most people say. <laughs> I think I get people drunk. Put something in your drink yeah. and you start talking. <laughs> I should have known better.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Yeah.
0: Great. It's a pleasure. One of the things we do at Starter is growth consulting. We work with select number of growth stage startups and established companies to grow and retain their customers. We do growth. We're not a digital marketing agency. Instead, we help our clients figure out their customer acquisition and retention by focusing on three major things. We help them build a consistent narrative and community around their core offers. Second, we help them build a scalable, repeatable, and cost-effective growth systems and strategies. And lastly, most importantly, we help them build an in-house team that we execute the strategies further. We've worked with and still working with companies like Flutterwave, Cranium One, Law, Omar Gardens, JEE Client Services, Amara Suit, and many others. We're a small team of startup entrepreneurs, investors, product designers, and growth marketers with experiences of building and scaling our own products and companies. To work with you, we'll have to determine if there's a fit and if we can significantly make a difference to your growth trajectory within a short time. If your business is currently making money, at least $10,000 per month, and you want to scale to the next level, let's have a chat. Go to co and book a free strategy session with us. That is W-E-D-O-G-R-O-W-T-H dot C-O, co and book a free strategy session with us today. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. S-T-A-R-T-A and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favour to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.